Welcome to Dead Pilot Society, the show that takes comedy pilots from A-list writers that were sold and developed at networks and streamers, but never produced, and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. I am Andrew Reich, the creator and host of Dead Pilot Society. Our Dead Pilot this time is Next Door by Stephen Cragg and Brian Bradley. Now, this has nothing to do with the Next Door app, although believe me, there are people out there as we speak, trying to make a television show out of the Nextdoor app. But this has nothing to do with that. This uh, is Nextdoor by Stephen Craig and Brian Bradley. Stephen and Brian are a writing team who met while working on Mad TV. They've been on staff at shows like Scrubs and Happy Endings. But really, they're an example of writers who have made a great career out of conceiving and writing and selling original pilots. And look, the fact that none of those pilots has gone on to be a hit series, I chalk up to the randomness of show business because these guys are smart and funny writers and they consistently do quality work. Uh, I really liked how they went for something out of the ordinary with this pilot. It's a hybrid of neighborhood sitcom and noirish mystery. Um, Next week, we'll post my interview with them and they share... They're very well thought out ideas about where this show would have gone in series. Uh, It really felt like they weren't just kind of bullshitting their way through uh, what this was going to be. They really uh, enjoy mysteries and really sort of thought out and thought through that aspect of it. Um, Great characters uh, and a great cast, as always. Um, our cast for this one, we continue to raid the cast of Glow. Jackie Tone from Glow as Tommy. Uh, Oak Anadawan from Hamilton as Brad. Edie Patterson from Righteous Gemstones as Margaret. Tony Trucks from SEAL Team as Keisha. Rex Lee from Entourage as Steven. Susie Nakamura from Snowfall and Dead to Me and just so many things as Kim Hudson Yang from Fresh Off the Boat as Henry Annie Savage from Gary Busey Pet Judge as a whole bunch of things the headhunter the cop the geeky guy and the man uh, and Nick Wexler from Roswell and Revenge as Jerry and as Tattoo Guy so hey uh, if you want to see all those folks if we want to see the people reading this see their faces in the little zoom boxes just become a Max Fund member for as little as $5 a month. You'll get access to the video and all of our bonus content from past years. So go to MaximumFun.org join if that sounds interesting to you. Right now, please enjoy Next Door. Are you riddled with guilt over your TBR pile? Are you filled with shame about a book that you just can't seem to finish? Are you having regrets because grad school killed your love of reading? We're Reading Glasses, and we're here to help. I'm Mallory. And I'm Bria. Let us absolve you of all your reading guilt. Stuck on a book you don't like? We'll help you dump it. Can't figure out what to read next? We'll recommend something in your wheelhouse. Can't decide where to buy your books from? We'll point you in the right direction. No matter what you read or how you read it, we'll help you do it better. Reading Glasses, every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Okay, yes. we are here with Stephen Craig and Brian Bradley. Tell us 
uh, a little bit about this pilot next door very briefly before we begin here. I think one of our big things was noir, the big Lebowski, which is a mixture of modern day noir and uh uh, a love of uh, an area in which a mystery is happening, you know, where where an area is almost a character. Then we were also thinking about our neighbors. I think we were obsessed with the idea of doing something about, you know, how no one in L.A. really knows their neighbors. It's not the friendliest place, really, um, in that way. And I think the joke for us was just like the only way that we could really get to know our neighbors is if there's someone was killed on our street and we were all gathered at the crime scene, like peeking over the tape to see what happened. And maybe some conversations would break out because we'd have something in common to um, discuss. And, and that is legitimately (laughs) that interest in noir and that, and that idea is legitimately why we wrote, I think we wrote this as a spec to begin with. We just wrote it out. um, Which which was a joy with, with no, um, (laughs) Um, involvement from the studios or networks or anything. It was just a pure joy of us just having fun. And, uh, you know, really that idea of we don't know our neighbors at all ourselves. And I was just saying to Brian earlier, it's really like we only wanted to know our neighbors enough to ask them to move their car. That's the only, that's the level of knowledge we wanted. Perfect of our- amount of intimacy and anything more is, is too dangerous. So, um, so that's where this came from. I think that's enough tantalizing of the, sure. our audience. Let's, let's hear this cul-de-sac comedy. Thank you guys. This is next door, the pilot written by Stephen Craig and Brian D. Bradley. Exterior, a suburban street. We're close on the foot of a corpse sticking out from behind hedges in front of a rundown house and being licked by a cat. We begin a single continuous shot as the cat runs into the next door driveway, causing a car to screech to a halt. Tamana, Tommy Haroon, 30s, sarcastic and funny, and her husband, Brad Beeman, 30s, sweet, kind of a Boy Scout. Get out of the car. That cat has been running wild since we moved here. I kind of like it. Dodging cars and coyotes like a gangster. It's the only badass thing about this neighborhood. Brad spots their across-the-street neighbors, Margaret King, hyper-capable businesswoman, and her wife, Keisha Henry, protective ex-Marine, removing groceries from their SUV. Hey, what's up? Hello, over here. What are you, babe, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? In the Midwest, we call it being friendly. You should Google it. Come on, Brad. They made me kick my bladder the whole way up the 405, and I have to tell you, it felt very personal. Okay, I don't, I don't need a whole thing with the neighbors. Look, we've lived across them for a year. We should at least try and get to know them. I know them. Okay, I know them. They're the lesbians. Wait, what are their names? Tommy? Um, it was, yeah, I know their names. It's Marjorie and it's Quava. Quava, that's a fruit. It's Margaret and Keisha. This is crazy. I'm asking them the dinner. No, no, you're not. Okay. Hey, this isn't pumpkin nuts, Wisconsin or wherever you're from, even though I'm fairly certain it's pumpkin nuts. Okay. This is LA. We stay alive by driving in our cars and keeping eye contact to a minimum. Okay. Inside. Oh, I think the baby just got a hold of my gallbladder. She pushes Brad inside. Oof. He's nice. She seems like a handful. They probably say the same thing about us. What? You're not a handful. I'm talking about you. Are you still pissed about Costco? You went to get yogurt and then you were gone for an hour. And then I find you scarfing down teriyaki balls at a sample station, all jittery like a junkie. Samples are what Costco is for. That and a thousand copies of Girl on the Train. You're not supposed to be eating any of that garbage. Remember your heart attack? How could I forget? You remind me every time I put something in my mouth, which... 
aside from those meatballs, has been about mm, 93% kale. Evil, foul weed. Margaret, I love you the most, but you are a sneaky bitch. I'm not sneaky. Then why does your purse smell like teriyaki meatballs? Margaret pulls out a napkin filled with hot meatballs. They're for you. Stephen Cho, a middle-aged nerd, and Kim Cho, sweet but a little lost, walk by with their corgi. Loose. Uh oh, here come the poopers. Help me glare. Stephen and Kim cross the street to avoid them. The camera follows them to the corpse house. Toulouse wanders into the yard. You're afraid of that lady? What? No, I'm not. Toulouse pooped on her lawn the one time I didn't have a bag. And now I guess I'm on her shit list. Well, guess what? She's on my shit list. Then why are we crossing the street? This is where the dog wanted to go. <laughs> what? Is she behind us? No, the estimate for the roof just came in. Well, don't scream like that. That's not cool. Oh, that's a lot. Well, don't panic. The headhunter says he's got a lot of interviews lined up for me. Looks like I'm about to get my job on, girl. Don't talk like that at the interview. We need this. We're burning through your severance money. And right now, our house has a real natural disaster FEMA vibe. The house has a blue tarp on the roof. True, but it's better than this guy's post-apocalyptic look. Why does he always have so much garbage in his yard? Kim picks up some trash and puts it in her jacket pocket. Don't touch that, honey. It's not a condom. It's just paper. Maybe I should get a job. Sure, if you want. Doing what? I don't know. I've been a mom for 17 years. What am I even qualified for? That's a little harsh. No, the dog's doing a poop punch and I don't have any bags. Is she looking? Yes. Boy, I'm glad you're not afraid of her. Just pull him. Hard. They hustle off with a desperate Toulouse in tow. And in the opposite of a Law & Order episode, the camera lands where we began, angled on a dead man's foot with no one having noticed. On the suburban street at night, there's now a full crime scene at the corpse house. A helicopter hovers overhead at Stephen and Kim's house. Kim, Stephen, and their son, Henry, sharp and funny, watch out their window. My God, I can't believe there's a dead body right there. I've never even seen a dead body. I have. My Aunt Gian had an open casket. She looked good. I don't mean like sexy, just hot. The makeup artists were very good. I should stop talking. Yeah, just take a break. Do we have to feel bad about this guy? I mean, he was a straight-up racist. Yeah, he was the worst. I have an amazing picture of him. We're close on Stephen's phone and a picture of Jerry, a straggly-haired former muscle bro gone to pot, walking his dog on a dirty rope, giving the finger to a baby in a stroller. Is he flipping off a baby? That's amazing. Send to me immediately. Done. You guys... This is a human being we're talking about and our neighbor. We've lived next to him for 11 years. So let's have a little empathy for, um, shit. What's his name? Hulk Hogan. Why do you guys call him that? He doesn't even look like Hulk Hogan. Yes, he does. He's an old guy with shoulder length hair who wears muscle shirts like Hulk Hogan. You should know his name. What's his name? I don't know. That's why we call him Hulk Hogan. Oh, that's a headhunter. Daddy's about to make some money. Okay, seriously, stop talking like that. Stephen walks off to find some privacy. All right, there's nothing on Goodhood. It's just one post about a lost cat named SpongeBob and 10 about a weird smell on Tuesday. This app is useless. Well, perfect for you guys and it lets you be part of the neighborhood without knowing anyone's name if you want to know what's going on just you know maybe get off your phones and walk over there okay dad god moments later steven is on the phone in his man cave that's filled floor to ceiling with his sci-fi collection i can't move to india i have a kid in high school also 
I can't with curry. I just can't. Sorry, Stephen. Chemical engineering positions in LA are kind of dry right now. If you can hold on, things might open up in spring. Spring? That's two seasons from now. How the hell am I going to... Kim pops her head in. ...deal with all these amazing opportunities. To be clear, there are no opportunities. Stephen hangs up. Sounded good. Oh my God, so good. What's up? Uh, Our son has shamed me into walking over to that crime scene. Want to go? God, yes, very much so. And we're at Margaret and Keisha's house. They watch the crime scene from their front lawn. Stephen and Kim walk by and join the gathering crowd. Goodhood's got nothing. That is drugs. Opiates, that's huge now. Or white supremacy, that's also very hot. Or he had a stroke. It's no fun. Let's go over there and find out. No. Why? Do dead bodies freak you out? No. I saw my share overseas. They don't bother me. I just don't think the cops need you over there scooby-dooing around. Come on, let's go in. Okay. Keisha walks back in and Margaret goes the other way. Damn it, she's scooby-dooing. Angle on a cop interviewing Tommy. You live around here? What? Oh, God, hell no. Well, I mean, yeah, that's my house right there. But like my heart, I want to say is like in Los Feliz because oh, that's where we used to live. It's such a cool vibe. It's just we want me. Do you know what I mean? Like I miss it. And then we wanted to have kids. My husband's from the Midwest and he was all, we need a backyard. And I'm like, for what? And he's like, barbecues and fresh air. And I'm like, well, so anyway, here I am looking at a slow slide into minivan, stretch pants and death officer. Uh, just looking for your address, ma'am. Yeah, it's 1188 Arvada Trash. Brad walks up carrying a thermos and some paper cups. Cider? You want some cider? Cider? Anybody? Cider? This is a crime scene, Brad, not an office Christmas party. I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, actually, I'd, I'd love some. Any idea what happened? I can't talk about an open investigation. Okay, I'm an attorney. Was he stabbed, shot, poisoned? Okay, you twitch. Mm. Was he poisoned? The cop walks off and Stephen and Kim move up. Did he say he was poisoned for real? No, but he strongly implied it. Margaret moves up with Keisha on her tail. Who was poisoned? Stephen is startled. Margaret squints her eyes at him and he moves behind his wife. Her neighbor, Jerry. You can see his dirty ass Reebok sticking out. Jerry! That's his name. My husband calls him Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I was like, oh, Kogan, that's uncanny. Right. Thank you. <laughs> Does anybody want some cider? This is great. Uh, at a crime scene? That's weird, but why not? <laughs> okay, so we know you're Brad, but we've never met your wife. Is it uh, t- Timmy? Tommy. And you're Maggie and Kim? Uh, I'm actually Kim. Ah, okay, we've never met. How do I know your names? They're Margaret and Keisha. And we're Stephen and Kim. Nice. Like a vaudeville routine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Folks, we're removing this man's remains. Maybe show a little respect. Sorry, officer. They watch solemnly. The body is loaded into the coroner's van. Well, bad circumstances, but it was nice to meet you all. That was cool. Kind of sad that it took the death of a human being to make that happen. Certainly jazzed up Friday night. Normally, we'd just be binging garbage TV until the wine's done. (laughs) Same here. Last Friday, we got four episodes into The Alienist before we realized it was just terrible detectives saying boy whore all the time. And now we're going to go finish it because we're lame. Night, everybody. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, wait, but I have a crazy idea. Don't do this. Don't do this. Babe, do not do this. If you do, I'll take the baby. You'll never see us again. Since we're all free on Fridays, what about a little neighbor dinner next week? Our place, steaks, and wine. What do you say? 
Bye. We visit each couple as they walk away. Why did you say yes? Now we have to have dinner with the poopers. Why didn't you fake a heart attack? You know what they look like. We angle on Stephen and Kim. Did you not see my signals? You were winking, clearing your throat, scratching your head. I thought you were having a seizure. We angle on Brad and Tommy. This is going to be so much fun. Oh, I'm glad the coroner is still here because I am going to kill you. Brad hugs Tommy. And that's the end of Act One. All right, those uh, who know me know I'm not really a weed guy. So I just want to put that out there because I'm here to talk to you uh, about microdose, microdosing. Um, Because Dead Pilot Society is sponsored in part uh, by microdose drops from Lumi Labs. So microdose, it's really different from other hemp products because it contains micro doses of THC in balance with uh, uh, cannabinoids like CBD and CBG. I think that's how you say cannabinoids. It's probably cannabinoids. Anyway, this way, this way you can eat just one microdose and feel a nice mood lift from the THC without getting high. And that's really what I experienced with this. You don't get high. You just feel kind of more peaceful and in the moment. It's just a nice, nice feeling. So look, this is a unique product, and I think you should check it out. Microdosing, it's a popular daily practice for people who want to feel better and be healthier. If you're interested in learning more about microdosing THC, just uh, do a quick search online, or you can go to microdosedrops.com, top uses, that's all one word, T-O-P-U-S-E-S. And if you ever want to experience the benefits of microdosing for yourself, Microdosedrops.com delivers to all 50 states. So to get free shipping and 30% off your first order, use code DEADPILOTSOCIETY, all one word. Uh, Links will be found in the show description. But again, that's microdosedrops.com slash top uses. And the code is DEADPILOTSOCIETY. I'm telling you, this is is a really good product. I think you'll enjoy it. I think we can all use just a little bit of chill uh, right now, a little bit of taking the edge off, and this is this can be a nice way to do that. Uh, check them out. Dead Pilot Society is supported in part by Libby. Libby is a free reading app created by Overdrive that lets you borrow eBooks and audiobooks from your library on your phone, tablets, Kindle, or computers. All you need is a valid library card from your library. But even if you don't have a library card currently, and why don't you have a library card currently, you can read samples of any book you see. It works just like your physical library. You simply borrow available books you want to read, and then they return themselves automatically after your loan expires. I was uh, I was talking to my sister the other day, and she said, oh, I, just, I, I just read this great book called Apollo's Arrow. It's about pandemics and about what life is, you know, predictions for sort of what life is going to be like in the next five years post-pandemic. I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. Seconds later, went on Libby, you know, looked on my L.A. public library to see if Apollo's Arrow, if the audiobook was available. Boom, it was available, downloaded it. I was listening to it minutes after that conversation. Someone mentions a book, you're like, oh, yeah, I got to, you know, get to the bookstore. I got to order. You can just go on Libby. You can listen, read a sample it's fantastic. I use this literally every day. So download Libby in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store to start borrowing and sampling ebooks and audiobooks today. 
Congratulations, you've won a ticket to attend an exclusive opportunity in a relaxing environment with two lovers. Wow. Well, this sounds like a sort of proposition of sorts, but really it's an ad for our podcast. Wonderful. It's a show we do here on Maximum Fun where we talk about things that we like and things that we're into. I'm Rachel McElroy, and you just heard Griffin McElroy, and we are excited for you to join us as we talk about movies and music and books. Things like sneezing or the idea of rain. (laughs) Can you get news or information you can use? Absolutely you cannot, because we're here to talk to you about pumpernickel bread. You can find new episodes on Wednesdays. So catch, catch the wave! Act two, we're at Stephen and Kim's kitchen. Kim is putting on her coat and Henry walks in. Hey, honey, do you have anything from the grocery? I have to pick up some wine for this weird neighbor dinner your father got us trapped into. You guys know the neighbors? Of course not. So if we're not back by 11, you know where to find our bodies. Where are my keys? She reaches into her coat pocket and pulls out the trash she picked up in the cold open. She opens it. Be quiet. You've been warned. What's that? Some trash I picked up off Hulk Hogan's uh, Jerry's lawn. What do you think it means? It means wash your hands. It's garbage. Should I give it to the police? I don't know. You're the parent. Anyway, I finished proofing your resume. Thanks, honey. What's this? I didn't go to UCLA. Yeah, you did. You took that seminar. It was for quilting. Right. You went to UCLA. And honestly, I think it looks better than that art degree from some obscure college in Vermont. And... When did I work in lifestyle-focused digital media? I mean, you had that blog on slow cooker recipes. Do you really think I need to lie about myself to get a job? You have no work experience. I mean, you gotta fake it to make it. Just because it rhymes doesn't make it true. God, I hope your dad's interview is going better than this. But Stephen is not at an interview. He's on a neighborhood street, standing next to his car with a geeky guy. It's like a drug deal. I brought cash. Be cool, bro. This is my hood. Here's the stuff. Check it. Steven opens the trunk. It's full of his sci-fi memorabilia. This is quality. Why are you getting rid of it? Is it hot? What? No, it's mine. Just having a little cash flow issue. It's all for sale. Except for the book. I changed my mind on that. Is that the rare art and design of Blade Runner? Behold its majesty. Only a hundred printed. I can't give it up. It's my baby. I'll give you 1500 for it. Looks like baby's got a new daddy. The geek counts cash into Stephen's hand. In the background, unseen by Stephen, Brad drives by watching this transaction. We go to Margaret and Keisha's house. Keisha and Margaret return from a walk. Margaret is miserable. God, I hate walking. Sometimes I see people in wheelchairs and I think, you lucky bastard. Your doctor says you need exercise. And FYI, we just went around the block and you stopped twice. There was an incline, Keisha. Keisha pulls out her phone and snaps a pic of a parked car. Mm, that dude's been parked out in front of Jerry's all day long. I don't like it. It's probably an Uber driver on break. Okay, who's the ex-Marine here? Face tattoo, bullet holes in his trunk. If this is an Uber driver, he's getting one star. Okay, Sarge, you continue your little recon session. I gotta pee. Margaret hurries into the bathroom and pulls out a drawer, trying to get to her secret stash of candy. But when she reaches in, she pulls out a frowning picture of Keisha. Hmm. You looking for this? Margaret is startled. Keisha stands there holding a bowl full of illicit goodies. Candy, cigarettes, soda, etc. I found all your hidey holes, including the hot Cheetos and the air ducts. And I'm not going to let you kill yourself. Not on my watch. Okay. You know what? This is getting a little Kathy Bates in misery. What's next? Huh? You going to tie me down and hobble me? Well, you said you don't like walking. Can't watch me all the time. 
Girl, I want to stay awake for 72 hours and I also own a pair of night vision goggles. Margaret's phone chimes with a notification. That's a reminder that we now have to go eat dinner with perfect strangers. And thanks to you, I'm going there very irritable. And we cut to Tommy and Brad's kitchen. Brad seasons a Flintstone-sized steak. What the hell is that? Looks like something you'd feed a tiger. It's a cowboy steak, 32 ounces. Biggest steak you can buy. And I got two. And that's why all the cowboys are dead. Uh, what are we going to talk about with these people? Slow cooker recipes? Dump cakes? What's wrong with dump cakes? I like dump cakes. Dump cakes are good. Okay, you just really enjoy saying dump cakes. Look, I know you miss those Felice, but if you give this place a chance... We could have a real community here, like the one I grew up in. Like we never locked our doors. We knew everyone. My sister and I spent an entire summer with the old couple next door. They had a box of costumes in their basement, and they let us dress up, and like we'd make these like cool little films. It was... Honey, that's a Dateline episode. You're so cynical. This is a nice neighborhood, okay? And it'll be great. A great place to raise our kids. There was a murder next door! Look, we don't know that. We don't not know that. And one of these strangers you've invited over might be the murderer, and you are giving them all steak knives. Oh, you know, you know you'll see. Tonight's going to be great. We're going to make four new friends and have the funnest dinner party you've ever seen in your life. When we smash cut to Tommy and Brad's house that night, it is not the funnest dinner party ever. Everyone sits around in awkward silence. Brad tries to spark conversation. Uh, Steve. Stevie, uh, is your is your car okay? I saw you pulled over in the neighborhood. Everything good? Wasn't me. I was definitely at a job interview. No, nah, man, I'm sure it was you. You had your trunk open and you were talking to this husky guy. He's really short jeans shorts. Husky guy? Jeans shorts? Margaret, this cheese you brought is insane. I'll have to take your word for it. I'm not allowed to have any. Lactose intolerant. Heart attack. I found her passed out on the toilet like Elvis. Oh, thanks for sharing that, honey. Well, we're having steaks, so should we make a salad? Yeah, steak is kind of fatty. And all the salt. Uh, yeah, that's what I keep telling her. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. A pile on. <laughs> nice. Um, why don't I just kneel down here and you can all kick me in the tits? How about that? Silence. Brad tries again. So... Kim, um, you, you guys have a corgi, you know, really cute. Their legs, they're, they're so little. Yeah, well, that's funny because their poops are full size and they're all over our yard. That happened one time, you loon. Actually, you just did it the other day. Really? Whose side are you on? Brad, honey, guys, big two in the kitchen for just a minute. Just one quick second in the kitchen. Brad joins okay. Tommy in the kitchen. All right, this is a shit show. We need to cut bait. I'll give you two options. Set a small, controllable fire in the kitchen, or I could fake an early labor. Dealer's choice. Mm -mm. Don't worry about it. Because Mr. Icebreaker is about to break the ice. No, 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 no harmonica. No. He sadly puts his harmonica back in his pocket. Just then there's a commotion. No way. That's crazy. I don't believe it. Brad and Tommy hustle back out to the living room to find everyone animated and holding their phones. What happened? The cops just posted Jerry's cause of death on Goodhood. They're saying it was a suicide. Suicide? That doesn't make any sense. Who kills themselves in their front yard? Give me, let me see that. Yeah, it's crazy, uh, right? See? No, there's literally no way. Hmm? Great party, right? They all raise their glasses. We're on the back deck later. There are empty bottles of wine and everyone, save Tommy, seems buzzed. Brad raises a glass. Here's to you, Jerry. Godspeed. Good neighbor. Yeah. R.I.P., you miserable old cracker. Everyone laughs except Brad. 
Tommy notices. Come on, honey. You know, living next door to him was a nightmare. All he did was listen to porn at top volume. It was tough. Without the visuals, you really notice the bad acting. I mean, it's LA. Like, take a take a class. Remember that time he screamed at us in his tiny whiteies? And we flash back to Jerry in his underwear as he waters his dirt yard and screams at Keisha and Margaret, who are at their car. You parked that stupid hybrid in my front of my house one more time. I'll scratch Lesmobile in a hood. And I told him if he did, I'd carve homophobe into his forehead with a butter knife. When we first moved here, we made a rookie mistake and took Henry to Jerry's house to trick-or-treat. Him and Steven trick-or-treat with a young Henry dressed as Superman at Jerry's door. Chinese Superman? No, thanks. He slams the door in their faces. We go back to the scene. Oh, such a turd. Brad, babe, tell him yours. No, it's dumb. I accidentally threw a Frisbee into his backyard. Brad is at Jerry's door. I'll get you a little toy, squirt. Yeah. But first, you gotta lick my ass. Jerry starts to unbuckle his pants and Brad hurries off. We go back to the scene. And it's not a toy, okay? I won the 2008 Golf Pro-Am with that baby. It's not a toy. It's an emotional frisbee for him. He, I'm being honest, he cried about it a lot. <laughs> Everyone laughs but Brad. This is fun. Just drinking wine and bad-mouthing Jerry. Yeah, it's awesome. Not that I didn't think it would be awesome. Oh, please, buddy. I thought this was going to be a complete and utter nightmare. It's weird. I mean, we spend so much energy avoiding each other, and yet everyone here seems well, pretty cool. Yeah, Stephen, I thought you were just a poop-leaving jerk, but you're a nice guy. And I thought you were a cranky bitch, which you are, but in a fun way. <laughs> Everyone laughs. Brad beams. Tommy clocks this. God, look how happy he is. He's been trying to get this whole neighbor situation going forever. The only thing that would make him happier is if he had that Frisbee back. So why don't we go over there and get it? Cops are gone, right? And I haven't heard his milky-eyed dog barking at, abs at absolutely nothing, so they must have taken it away. Yes! Let's hop over that fence and take this party to the next level! Bam, 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 bam. No, 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 uh, no. I think we're at a good level. Besides, that fence is pretty rickety and it's mostly termites. And you're not going to be jumping any fences. You know what, Margaret? They're, they're probably right. It would be really irresponsible for us to pick up a chair and use it to climb over this fence into that weirdo's yard. Margaret steps on a chair and straddles the fence. Yeah, agreed. It would be dangerous and ill-advised. No, no, no. no. Okay, okay. You get down right now or I will scale that fence like Spider-Man and snatch you right off it. Fence creaks as Margaret drops to the other side. <sighs> Keisha scales the fence effortlessly and leaps over. Did you see that? It was exactly like Spider-Man. Um, what were you doing with your trunk open today? I'm next. He jumps on the chair and goes over. Kim follows. Tommy hops on the chair, but Brad stops her. Uh, baby, this is crazy. You have our baby inside of you. You wanted me to be part of this community. He drops over the fence. I meant a kickball league. And that's the end of act two. Act three, we're in Jerry's backyard. Everyone is over the fence. It's a disgusting backyard with a dilapidated shed, no grass, just dirt everywhere, and a half-buried fridge. There's a ton of dog poop. Everyone tiptoes like they're in a minefield. There's so much poop. Careful, Margaret. I don't want you getting triggered. Oh, damn. That's a human poop right there. And, and that is a murder shed. Or a torture shed. Let's disagree. Nothing good is happening in that shed. All fun observations, but let's just find the damn Frisbee and get out of here. 
here it is. Here it is next to this inexplicably half buried fridge. She reaches down to get it. And the cat, yes, the cat from earlier shoots out. Oh, why are you screaming, Maureen? Scared of a little pussy? It's SpongeBob, that lost cat from Goodhood. They don't anybody move. I'm kind of a cat whisperer. Hey, sweet friend. The cat scratches her. Oh, dick. SpongeBob runs into Jerry's house through an open sliding glass door. They all stare. Huh, guess the cops left it open. Hey, I don't know where everyone stands spiritually, but isn't that God telling us to obviously go in there? I have always been curious about what's in Jerry's house. My guess, an embalmed mother and a bunch of Nazi memorabilia. Maybe we should just call it a night? Come on, baby. We already bought a ticket. Might as well see the whole show. Isn't this breaking and entering? No, there's no breaking. It's just a little entering. Okay, no way. This has gone on way too far. We are absolutely not going in. When we go to Jerry's house, it's dark. They light it up with their iPhone flashlights. Oh, okay, very predictable. Sounds like soup and cigarettes. Nailed it. Let's go. Tommy turns on a lamp and they're surprised by what they see. Jerry's place has been transformed into an artist studio. Beautiful paintings everywhere in various stages. Okay, so let me see if I have this right. Jerry, homophobic, racist, day drinking, outdoor peeing Jerry, is an artist and a good one. These are great. This is like going into Harvey Weinstein's Weinstein's house and finding out was into feminist literature. He shouldn't Brad examine a large work table covered with sketches and notebooks and personal photos. This photo of Jerry? It's from the 70s. A young, handsome, shirtless Jerry poses with an older man. <gasps> Standing next to Jasper Johns. Yeah, who, who's that? A super famous artist. He's known for doing these paintings of the American flag. Oh, you mean like this one? Margaret stands in front of an American flag painting. That's a fake, right, honey? Uh, I don't think so. It looks real. And if it is, it's worth millions. Oh, this ain't Nazi memorabilia. Who the hell is this guy? A little later, the group is split up. Kim and Tommy stand in front of the flag painting in awe. So it's like, so like just a flag or? That was Jasper Johns's point. He wanted to paint things in it the mind already knew so he could free to concentrate on execution. Oh, wow. You know a lot about art. I went to art school, even tried to be a painter, but then Henry came and the only art I was doing involved crayons and macaroni. Well, what about now? Isn't he going off to college? Yeah, but we're strapped and I need a job that actually pays. But seeing all this really makes me miss it. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm kind of jealous of Jerry. Oh, well, glad I shared. Oh, no, no, no. I heard you. I heard you. I'm just getting you an art job. I have a client who owns a gallery and he needs a manager. Um, oh, he's asking if you can meet Monday. What? Wait. I mean, you know what? Yes. Oh, well, that's good because I already told him yes. I'll email you the details. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, are you kidding? You've done me a favor. I thought this neighborhood sucked, but I'm stoked to find out it's filled with art and death. Well, that's what we're known for. <laughs> that in the outlet mall. I get the feeling you're not too crazy about the neighborhood. No, it's just, you know, between the move and the baby, I'm feeling a little domesticated. It's kind of freaking me out. Listen, I don't know you very well, but you went over a wall with the baby inside you. So I think you're going to be fine. <laughs> you think? <laughs> yes. When Henry was born, I had pink hair and a safety pin through my nipple. I had to take the safety pin out to breastfeed. But that girl's still in there. You don't lose yourself. You just add someone new to the party. You're good. Please be my motherhood, Yoda. Tree you, I will. <laughs> oh, that kind of killed my punk rock cred there. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Stephen and Brad have wandered into Jerry's den. It's filled floor to ceiling with books. 
Wow, that's a lot of books. Kind of surprising. I always got more of a drunk moron vibe from Jerry. It's not porn either. He's got art, poetry, history. He's even got a book about Blade Runner. Brad pulls out the exact book that Steven sold earlier. You know, people rave about that movie, but I like Daryl Hannah better than Splash. Uh... Oh, oh, hey, man, man it's, it's just my opinion. We cut to a little later. Steven opens up to Brad. His swagger is gone. When my job went overseas, I thought I'd find another one fast. But there's nothing out there. So I've been selling stuff for cash. And Kim doesn't know, and I blabbed it. That's so me. I also spoil TV shows and ruin surprise parties. It's a curse, bro. I could never say this to my wife, but I feel like if I can't provide for my family, then I'm not a man. You're a man. See, just by you saying that I'm a man makes me not a man. A man doesn't need another man to tell them they're a man. Okay, then you're not a man. I know. Do you need a hug? No. Well, it feels weird just watching you cry. Look, this is big stuff to handle on your own, man. You need a buddy. We just met, Brad. Let's just see if this grows organically. Not me, your wife. Oh, right. Her. Yeah, I have to tell her. Hey, thanks for listening to all this. And sorry I cried. Please, you should have seen me weep when Negan killed Glenn on The Walking Dead. Dude, I'm not caught up. Oh, I'm sorry. It is, it's really, it's really a curse. Margaret snoops through a pile of papers on Jerry's dining room table while Keisha sits quietly in a chair. This guy was suing the city of Barstow? What did Barstow do? Hello? Are you not talking to me? Okay. Well, then maybe you'd like a little visit from Susie No Bones. Margaret begins to dance like she has no bones. This is obviously a bit she's done before. Whoa! Don't, don't. You know that that freaks me out. Sorry, Susie can't help it. She ain't got no bones. Whoa! Keisha can't help but smile until a dancing Margaret suddenly gets lightheaded and stumbles into a table. She's about to fall over, but Keisha catches her. Okay, I got you, I got you. Any pain in your chest or arm? No, 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 no. I'm okay. I uh, just got a little lightheaded. I think it might be the medicine. Oh, God. Okay, Keisha, go ahead. Rub it in. I shouldn't have climbed the wall. I don't want to rub it in. I don't want to be Kathy Bates. Look, remember the other day when I told you dead bodies don't bother me? Well, they do. Especially if it's somebody that I love. But please help me take care of you. Okay. But can we meet somewhere in the middle where there's no kale? Deal. They kiss. Guys, check this out. The group gathers around Tommy, who is seated at a work table with a spiral notebook open in front of her. I think this is where he wrote the suicide note. You can still see the impression on the page underneath. You should big Lebowski this thing. Rub it with a pencil so you can see the words. Yeah, no, I'm putting my foot down, y'all. We've had a fun time, but somebody needs to be the adult here. Me, this is an incredible invasion of privacy. And... We cut to moments later, and Stephen is almost completely finished revealing the note. To whom it may concern. It's like I'm a ghost. That's so formal. I mean, it sounds like a Department of Water and Power is committing suicide. I can't go on. Life is too hard. Goodbye. Sincerely, Jerry Vanderdick. Vanderdick? Really? Look at the handwriting. All those fancy loops. Looks like Ben Franklin wrote it. Wait a minute. I know that writing. I picked this up off Jerry's lawn the day they found him. Kim pulls out the note from her jacket pocket. Be quiet. You've been warned. So wait, Jerry wrote both of these? He threatened himself and then killed himself? He didn't write either of them. How do you know that? He pulls up his shirt to reveal Jerry's Blade Runner book tucked into his waistband. Are you stealing Jerry's book? Why? You have that one at home. Actually, I don't. I sold it for cash because... 
I've been lying to you. There are no interviews and I can't find a job. I'm sorry. Honey, you should have told me that. Maybe not here, but... Oh, wait. Tommy got me an interview at the gallery. Oh, my God. That's so great. This is all very sweet, but how do you know that it's not Jerry's writing? Oh, here, look. He wrote an inscription inside the cover. See, the handwriting was totally different. Caroline, I love, I know how much you love this movie. Hope you can forgive me. Love, Jerry. Your dad. Oof. I didn't know he had a kid. We never saw her around. Yeah, well, obviously, he wasn't close to her. He never gave her the book. So the person who threatened him also wrote his suicide note. Does this mean Jerry was murdered? Yes, sweetie, I think it does. There's the sound of glass breaking. What the fuck was that? It's probably just a cat. Nope, the cat's right here. Turn the light out. Kim turns off the lamp, plunging them into darkness. Try to tell y'all we have no business in a dead guy's house. The cat meows. Tommy Everybody scoops up SpongeBob. Everyone hide. They all bunch up together. But it's too late. An intruder enters the room with a flashlight. He sweeps the light around until it finds the group. He moves toward them, and Tommy throws the cat at him, knocking his flashlight out of his hand. Steven jumps in front of everybody. I got this. Let's dance, bitch. Not the time, bruh. The intruder pulls a knife. Uh-oh. The intruder stabs Steven in the stomach where it sticks. <laughs> he yanks the knife out and tosses it, stabbing Kim in the foot. <laughs> Keisha steps to the guy. Okay, uh, I'm about to finish this shit. She lunges at him and they struggle. Just as the intruder is getting the best of her, from out of the darkness, a frisbee hits the guy in the face. And that's how I won Pro-Am. Keisha kicks him in the balls. The guy has had enough and runs off smashing through the sliding glass door and into the dark. So, shall we call it a night? And we smash cut to the backyard. They all wait as Keisha gives Margaret a boost over the fence. Ooh, yep. Mm, this was easier the first time. There is shit all over your shoe. There's a cracking sound. The entire fence collapses, taking Margaret with it. This allows everyone else to run back into Tommy and Brad's backyard. In Tommy and Brad's house in the kitchen, Keisha washes her poop-covered hands. Brad helps Kim off with her shoe. Steven holds his stomach. Tommy pours herself a whiskey. Brad throws her some shade. Put your judgmental eyebrows away, please. Someone just pulled a knife on me. This baby and I have earned it. Baby, are you okay? Yes, it just nicked my toe. But are you all right? You were stabbed in the stomach. I'm good. We reveal that he has the book in his pants. You still have the book? Who the hell are you? She punches um, him in the stomach. I'll call the police. No, don't. I'll put it back. No, 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 no. No cops. What are we going to tell him? That we got drunk, broke into a dead man's house, read his suicide note, stole a book, and fought a guy with a knife? Guys, as an attorney, my advice would be to leave the cops out of this. Really? You're the attorney that advised us to go in there. Suddenly, there are police sirens and lights. Brad, did you secretly call the cops? No, I wanted to, but I actually didn't. I didn't. Maybe they're not here for us. The doorbell rings. <gasps> Looks like they're here for us. My God, what do we do? Hide again? Yeah, I think we're done with that. Listen, listen, listen. I need everyone to be cool and let me do the talking, okay? I'm going to sweet talk this bozo and get rid of him, and then we can figure out our next move. Ma'am, I can hear you. Good job, baby. Good job. Tommy opens the door to a frowning cop. Hey, what's up? And we cut to the street at the same time. The tattoo face from earlier, now with a bloody nose, is parked in his car. Another car pulls up being driven by a tired looking man in his 60s. 
They speak through their open windows. How'd you screw this up? There were people in there. Some dude hit me with freaking Frisbee. You're useless. Get lost. I'll handle this myself as usual. The man puts a police light on the dash and turns it on. He drives off and the camera follows him as he turns the corner and joins the other police at Brad and Tommy's house. Uh Uh-oh. End of show. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that. Definitely come back next week for a really funny and uh, occasionally profound conversation with Stephen Craig and Brian Bradley. Dead Pilot Society is produced by me and my co-host Ben Blacker and our very hardworking associate producer Noah Finling. Hey, if you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. Maybe tell a friend. Uh, you can follow us on social media to find out all the latest. We've been really putting a lot on there lately. We're on Twitter at Dead Pilots Pod and on Instagram at Dead Pilots Society. There's a lot of dogs barking right now. Okay, everybody stay safe out there. From uh, Stay safe from all those dogs. Uh, find a way to help someone. Be nice to yourself. These things all still apply. I know I've been saying them for months now. Keep wearing that mask. We're going to get through this. Uh, until next time, I'm Andrew Reich. Thanks for listening. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.